You're listening to Family Petals, the podcast for people questioning the status quo and living life a little bit differently. I'm your host, Sarah Copper. Today, Mark Stosberg joins me on the show. Mark and his family live here in Bloomington, Indiana. As you'll hear, we met when our family bought a cargo bike from his on Craigslist. In addition to biking all over town, Mark and his family regularly go bike camping, including a 10-day tour of Southern Indiana they took in the summer of 2016. He is releasing a book this fall called Let's Go Family Bike Camping, and I can't wait to get my hands on it. Let's go to the show and hear more about his camping adventures. Mark, welcome to the show. Thank you. Glad to be here. So we actually first met via Craigslist. I found a Craigslist ad for a Yuba Mundo that you were selling a couple weeks after we moved to town, and Neil went out to investigate, and we left with the Yuba Mundo, all of its accessories, a kid's bike, a couple tires, and an invitation to go bike camping. I remember now. Yes. Yeah. And a couple months later then, Neil did go bike camping with you and your family, And that was our family's first experience going on a bike camping trip. But you have a lot of experience bike camping and are even in the process of writing a book about family bike camping. That's right. Can you start by introducing yourself? I'm Mark Thosberg. I live here in Bloomington, Indiana. I work for Ride Amigos, and we're we're a company that helps organizations and communities change how people commute towards greener options. So before we get into the details of how you make bike camping work, let's talk about how you first got interested and started cycling for transportation. That would be right after college. I lived about a mile from work. I had a 1970s beater Nishiki road bike and wasn't fond of cars or car payments and just tried riding my bike to work and that worked fine. Some weekends, I would try riding 10 miles out to the next small town. I think it was Abington, Indiana. And I had a good time, and so I started taking some longer rides on the weekends. But it was mostly for transportation, just short trips back and forth to work, and quickly decided I wasn't interested in a car. So have you ever owned a car personally then? I did own that car in college. I got it from one of my parents, but... Mostly, I soon started an experiment of how long could I let it sit without driving. Mm. I played the experiment so long that the one day I wanted to use it, uh, it had died from sitting there. (laughs) (laughs) And I I found a way to get to where I wanted to go anyway that day. So I thought, well, if that's the worst case scenario, then I think I don't, I just don't need a car. I soon started, got a girlfriend and she had a car. And so I was soon back to car light. And so once you had your first child, what did that look like in your transition to biking as a family instead of just biking as an individual? Well, pretty much as soon as I found out we were pregnant, I told my wife, I I think we need to buy a cargo bike. So Mm -hmm. uh, (laughs) we had the cargo bike about six months before we had the child. (laughs) (laughs) I had loved biking and gotten used to doing it by myself. And thinking about my life post-children, I thought, I have to find a way to make this work with bikes and I'd been uh, checking out the buck feats on the internet. Mm -hmm. That's the one I want. So we found a way to make it work to order it. At that time, it came in a a shipping container through a semi truck from Florida. 
Wow. <laughs> They're a little bit easier to get now. Can you describe what a Bachwitz is for listeners who may not know? Sure. It's a Dutch compound word, which means box spike. And it has a large wooden box, like a envision a wheelbarrow in between yourself and the front wheel of the bike. And it kind of steers like a canoe. There's a linkage that goes underneath the box that connects your handlebars to the front wheel. Two children can sit on a bench side by side with strap-in harnesses. There's a rack on the back. And they don't tell you how much it weighs in the advertisements. You're not <laughs> supposed to care. Yes, it works very well in the Netherlands where it is very flat. So yeah. it does translate to other places, but it becomes a different kind of challenge, I think. Yeah, at the time, it was closer to the dawn of cargo biking here in the U.S., so it really wasn't kind of clear what kind of bikes were really going to catch on. So I thought this this might be catch on as much as any other bike, but it, the uh, long tail bikes like the Extra Cycle and Yuba Mundo ended up being the, the styles that have caught on more. And you have both of those bikes as well, is that correct? Yes, yeah. At more time passed, uh, another child arrived, and uh, <laughs> uh, then I wanted to try an electric Yuba Mundo, uh, which I liked, and then uh, later an extra cycle. So it allows us to have his and hers or electric and non-electric. We <laughs> have okay. some different options. Can you describe what you see as the the main uses or pros and cons of each of those cargo bikes? Yeah, I'm happy to. The, the only option for the smallest children, like six months old, is the a front loader like the Bachfeet. You can strap in a rear-facing car seat just like you would in a car, and that's exactly what we did. And once they get older, and once they can sit up more, then you can put them uh, on the traditional bike seat that goes behind you. So we really love the Bachfeets for that. It also has a fully enclosed drivetrain, so it was a favorite for rain. And it came with the, we got the weather canopy accessory. So fully enclosed, keeps the kids completely out of the rain. And also it's a little bit of a greenhouse effect in the snow in the winter. So we really much really used the Bach feats until our daughter was so tall that her head kind of bumped against the <laughs> top of the rain cover and she had to kind of tilt sideways to get in. And by that time we had two and the load was getting to be about, I don't know, 100 pounds of children on a 100 pound bike. So it was around then we <laughs> we sold it. We love the electric. I, I would say our electric cargo option is the one that I consider most like a car replacement vehicle because it allows us to go further or longer or more load or with uh, less effort. It's that one where it's kind of the excuse remover. You're like, well, I would take the car. You're like, well, with the electric, I can make it happen. And the extra cycle is more uh, like a crossover for me, like with a personal bike. I actually ride it a lot just as a personal. It's like driving a pickup. It's easy mm -hmm. to throw things in the open bags instead of the panniers. It's flexible. You can add, we can add a piccolo or the, the car seat can clip on and off. And it's the lightest of all of them. So it's kind of, yeah, the most, I don't know, fun to ride when you're thinking about exercise or just you plus a little bit extra. Okay. And the piccolo is something that attaches on the back where a kid is sitting in the seat and has handlebars and pedals. Yeah, sometimes called a trailer bike or a plug-in tandem or a tag-along. Yeah, uh, Burley Piccolo is just the brand name that seems to be the most popular. How did you find that for handling with a long tail with that attached on the back? 
different depending on which one. Uh, okay. The what we did to attach it to our Ubamundo was I had a friend weld. We we, we bought the rack that goes with the burly piccolo, cut out the part where the hitch attaches, and welded it into the Ubamundo frame, and absolutely rock solid. Completely great. On the extra cycle, it's a different story. That little bit of metal from the rack that we extracted is bolted into plastic, and then that's attached by some bolts to some the aluminum rack, and then the, that aluminum rack plugs into the bottom part of the frame, and then it's sort of strapped in. There's some bolts. So it doesn't, it works, but really doesn't have the feeling of the, the rock solid feeling that it did for the Yuba. I think there's a little better way it can be done on the extra cycle. There are right now no official accessories for attaching a burly piccolo to any cargo bike that I'm aware of that has an unusual rack on the back. So keep right. waiting for that. Yeah, because the problem we're running into is we're we're still in the thick of the cargo bike phase where whenever we're biking as a family, my son is starting to sometimes bike on his own, but that has to be a pretty close trip to where we're going. And we're looking at some of these other options with things like the tag along that goes on the back, but most of them, you can't then put a back seat on your bike right. once you have it. That's and right. so then it's only transporting one kid right. where we have a younger one who still very much needs to be in a seat. Mm-hmm. So we're starting to navigate those questions of how do we move into the next stage of biking as a family. And we definitely were doing that. We had the both with the Burley Piccolo attached to the extra cycle. And with the burly piccolo attached to the Yubamundo, often we were one child pedaling and one child being carried. That's a real feature that I hope the market supports better with official connection. Agreed. And what does it look like now? What are the ages of your kids and how do you bike as a family? So we're now up to the son, five, and the daughter, eight. Not inaccurate. (laughs) (laughs) They both just had birthdays, so uh, six and nine. Okay. And she pedals on her own bike. We got an Isla bike with 26-inch small frame size. And he's up to 20-inch wheel size. But we encourage her to ride everywhere pretty much independently with with supervision. Right. She rides on the Piccolo a little bit. But the Piccolo ages are about 4 to 10, I would say. And our son, for short distances, rides his own bike. And for longer trips, we encourage him to take the Piccolo. And frankly, sometimes either one of them will be cargo. We'll, we'll still carry them. With the uh, electric bike, it's just like, let's get there fast. I, I took my daughter to softball the other night, and they averaged uh, 19 miles an hour wow. <laughs> crossing town, which then later I rode over on another day with my wife in the car, and I was like, oh, because of the bike facility here, that's really about the same, <laughs> same as the car. So we still I carry them sometimes, but they're more independent biking and it's definitely contextual bloomington has some really good bike infrastructure and Mm -hmm. we know and the kids pretty much know where the safer places to bike or not and so we will say like well yeah to my daughter yeah you can bike downtown to the farmer's market there's a great route but some other place in town that's a real mess for cycling we wouldn't attempt still or it seems like there's a real advantage then to having the electric bike because I feel like with the weight of my kids now who are only two and a half and five that it's getting really heavy to be carrying both of them without that electric assist. And I can see how for that next stage, that's a huge advantage to not having it be so physically challenging going up hills with all of the load. 
Yeah, my wife has been a big user of the electric bike, doing things like taking one or two kids and going to the grocery. One of my favorite stories is we were on a recreational ride in Richmond called the Reed Ride. It's about a a 20-mile ride. She had the kids, so she had the electric bike, but it also happened to go right by the farmer's market, and she really needed some corn. Mm -hmm. So she pulled out of the ride and bought like 10 dozen ears of corn, like some (laughs) incredibly large amount, and then was completely at the end of the ride, and then just jumped back in the ride with her kid and the 10 dozen ears of corn on the bike and caught back up. And then with because it's electric, it's really hybrid. You can get as much exercise as she wants. So then she continued to enjoy the, the ride and using the mix of electric and pedaling that worked for her. But that's the real beauty of the electric. It's not like you have to use the assist. She also loved it for uh, commuting where she needed to get to work in a hurry and not sweat. And then on the way home, she could be more relaxed and pedal more. I think that's another great use for it. I love your description of it as a no excuses bike, that it eliminates any reason why you would say that you really needed to be taking the car. Yeah, we also got the studded tires for it for the winter. Although with the warmer winters and warmer years here, last season, I didn't put them on. But another excuse remover, studded tires. It is. We have not ventured into that either, but we've only had a couple mild winters here, so we haven't had the need yet. Let's get into talking about bike camping as a family. Before we get into the family part, though, tell me about how you started bike camping. I assume that started before you had kids. Yes, it did. I just loved biking. I love biking for practical things like commuting to work. I like longer recreational rides, so it seemed sort of a natural thing to me to try out. I started with really no special equipment. I had a trailer, which was for hauling groceries around town, an old tent that I inherited from my dad and a sleeping bag from college. And they were bulky. They filled up the trailer. And I rode, I think it was from Richmond, Indiana, maybe 30 miles to Houston Woods State Park. That was sort of my how I envisioned what bike camping was, was you ride a fairly long distance and you go to a state park, uh, <laughs> use traditional camping equipment. But I just had a good time and I came back and then I got in, was also doing some bike touring pre-kids and realized like, hey, I really like to do this. I'd like to do it like a week or two every year. Once we had kids, I thought this is a part of my life. I want to figure out a way to keep doing this slowly. We figured it out. It turned out because we had these cargo bikes that that was a good step in that direction. Yeah. Neil and I had a similar experience with our first bike camping without kids adventure. We just had a trailer and threw in, like you said, regular camping gear, took our regular bikes. And looking back now, I realize how difficult we made that on ourselves. And we still very much enjoyed it and look back on that time very fondly. But we also look back and think that could have been easier. (laughs) How has your use of bikes and equipment changed over time? Oh, well, if you start with old equipment, you pretty much, you get impressions like, well, it'd be nice if I had a tent that doesn't leak. Be nice if my back didn't hurt when I slept in the tent. Be nice if my sleeping bag was smaller, lighter. So we just were started replacing things uh, one by one. Of course, when your family grows, it's a natural time to say, get a larger tent or uh, your kids don't have sleeping bags at all. So when we got them, we started out with lighter compactable ones, but just started replacing, you know, adding equipment a piece of time. It's nearly all things we've used for other things, like other kinds of camping or commuting 
like panniers or other bags. So there's very little that was special for, has been special for bike camping. Okay. What has it looked like in terms of the actual bikes that you use, in terms of what you found to be most effective? In the beginning, it was like, gosh, is this, I have, I have a child now or two. Is this even possible? Can we do this? I guess I was, I'm sure I was checking online and people were figuring this out, but they had different, you know, they had different equipment. Was it going to work for me? So let's see. I took the Bach Feats on a tour with Therese, our daughter, when she was 18 months. I had a car that was supporting like a grandparent that was bringing gear. So it wasn't like, did not have all the stuff in it. First bike where I really carried all of our stuff for an overnight was the electric Yubamundo. And I think I had some confidence we were going to find a way to make it work because the bags in the Yubamundo are so big and mm-hmm. we had the basket accessory for it. Mm-hmm. But it still felt like it kind of barely fit. We tried that. I tried it once without the electric and I definitely was appreciating. <laughs> I bet, yes. Yeah, uh, the Burley Piccolo. It's kind of like a tandem feeling when the child is pedaling. But when the child is not pedaling, it's like carrying the child plus another 17 pounds of the burly piccolo plus another wheel that adds some rolling resistance. So it's not always a win. <laughs> right. Well, how long does the charge last on the Yubamundo? So can you talk a little bit about the distance that you were going and then sure. how you can make the charge go that whole way? Yeah. We started with a front hub motor kit. And at that time, our range was about 20 miles with kind of a moderate mix of pedaling and electric assist. And we've since upgraded it to a mid-drive motor. Some people may know the Stoke Monkey. That was a popular style of mid-drive motor where it's in the chain line, it turns the chain. Because we switched to this more efficient system, the same battery we used with the old system, although it had degraded to about maybe a 15-mile range, suddenly jumped back up to a 30-mile range. So that's with now our system can go full throttle 30 miles without a lot of pedaling. And this mid-drive system also has high torque. It's good for hills and cargo. Earlier this week, we went Tuesday night, we went electric cargo bike camping at the Mount Gilead Retreat Center. And Mm -hmm. you may know the Mount Gilead Hill on the way back. And I had, at this point, a nine-year-old child in the camping gear for the two of us. And we were just able to steam up that hill. Not super fast, but we did it. And the electric made that trip possible. We left after 7, and then I had her back at her day camp by 8 in the morning. Wow. So it was just a quick trip. And that was another case where she became, she rode on the back instead of pedaling her own bike. It was a distance that she's gone before, but it was just easy to do a quick trip that way. Right. So I was saying uh, some of the earlier trips we took were on the electric Cubamundo, and there really was less concern because there was so much space. Uh, last year, we took a two-week trip with kids ages, I'm going to get this right, five and eight. Mm-hmm. And the two cargo bikes that were options at that time were the electric Yubamundo, and we didn't want to take the electric because just it was too heavy. The charge would run out in the middle of our day. So I had my big dummy, which didn't feel like it had nearly the capacity of the of the Yubamundo, and I didn't have the big basket in the front. So I ended up doing a bunch of math (laughs) because I knew I didn't I wasn't starting with enough room to carry everything but then I needed to know like the chicken and the egg I can't just test do a test pack because I don't have the equipment I have to guess what equipment to buy so 
I ended up looking at a bunch of people's photos online for what bags they'd used on the extra cycle and longer trips, and then figuring out which exact bags they were, figuring out how many liters they were, and how many people were on the trip, and then devising a notion of like liters per person. (laughs) And then once I had that number, I could then calculate which bags to buy so I could have enough. The number I came up with was about 60 liters per person. That was my space budget. And the extra cycle you have then is the Surly Big Dummy with the extra cycle attachment. Is that right? It's the Surly Big Dummy uh, classic. But we ended up getting these 80 liter seal line rubber duffel bags. They're designed for, they're sold to kayakers. And those are almost as big as the Yuba bag. And then I got larger panniers for my wife's. Uh, She got a touring bike and then a pair of 10 liter front roller front panniers, and then those could go on either my wife's bike or mine, the extra cycle. Okay. So once we got to that level of like, okay, we're family touring with two kids, we're going to have one pedaling, one riding, and how are we going to make that all fit? Really, the only day it was kind of tight was the first day when we started out. We had, I calculated, 40 pounds of food and water combined. We were going into the wilderness overnight, so we had 15 pounds of just water So that was sort of peak weight, peak food, peak water. And after that, uh, every day we had extra space in the bags to get groceries or just carry less weight. Uh, Once we got moving, the space, the gear wasn't such a concern. Yeah, it seems better to start out that way where you are starting out at the hardest point and then it's only getting easier. Yeah, we had the the distances work inversely. We started out with a 20-mile day, so we got a little bit of training in. So when you do a shorter bike camping trip, you're usually taking the Yuba Mundo with the electric assist. And then for the longer trip, you were doing the big dummy extra cycle. Yeah, I would, I would say until last year when I bought these extra bags for our two-week trip, as long as I had two kids, I thought that the Yuba Mundo would be going to be the only way to go. But now that I've gotten these, kids change. And so now it's only one year later. But now my daughter has moved up to her own bike. And just this May, we did our first family bike camping trip where she carried her own gear on her wow. own bike and rode on her own. And that's the future at this point. So I guess we've reached sort of peak cargo in terms of the amount that needs to be carried on a single bike because the kids are getting older. That's a good feeling. And how long was that trip where she was able to pedal on her own? Oh, we went to just the same Mount Gilead mm-hmm. at seven, seven miles each way. She's maybe not as, doesn't seek out challenges (laughs) the way that some people might. So I knew it was a comfortable distance. Uh, And I think both my kids are a little bit more destination oriented than I am. Right. So we focused on a shorter trip and a longer experience. So how was that then when you did the two-week trip? Maybe start by describing where you went and how many miles you did total and then how your whole family experienced it. Yeah, so the trip was a tour from our front door, simple, starting in Bloomington, Indiana, and going around southern Indiana. It was early June, so our kids love swimming, so we tried to make destinations that the family would love. So the map included as many swimming places as we could fit in and as many ice cream mm-hmm. uh, places. as we, Definitely those were absolutely on the map, and then adding some more that weren't on the map. And then uh, water parks, anything that seemed fun to kids, we would add. Uh, specifically, we we rode to 
the Charles Dean Wilderness, which was uh, our night where we just had no services. Mm-hmm. Camping in the wilderness, we moved on to Hardy Lake, which was a state recreation area, and uh, Clifty Falls State Park, which is on the river and has waterfalls. And from there, we went on down to Louisville, Kentucky. We had some fears about finding a route into town that would right. be low enough traffic, but that worked out. There's a great pedestrian, bike pedestrian bridge now that crosses over the river into Louisville. We had a rest day there, and our children's idea of a rest day was to spend the morning rock climbing and then the afternoon at a water park. (laughs) (laughs) Let's see. From there, I think we went over to O'Bannon Woods, another state park. And let's see, Tipsaw Lake. Now we were, was our next spot we stayed at, and that was in the Hoosier National Forest at a great lake to swim in. And then we pedal on to Santa Claus, Indiana, which our children will tell you is the home of Holiday World feature point of our trip. And from there, we were planning on biking back north to Bloomington over two or three days. But my wife had a blowout as we were coming to Santa Claus. Nobody was hurt, but it was scary. And we didn't get it quite fixed in time and decided to cut the trip short and come back. Okay. So the distances range from maybe 16 to 18 on the first day to 55, I think, with their long day going into Louisville. And the average was maybe 40. And I think that was about right for what was reasonable. The kids like the taking the breaks and the destinations. And, right. It's still, it's like a road trip only via bike. Yeah. And in fact, like a road trip, they, they weren't super excited about the, the pedaling. They liked everything but the pedaling. But when I think about car trips, I think of kids saying, when are we, when are we going to be there? Yes. So it was. <laughs> yes, the transit is not usually the highlight for children. No, yeah. It was kind of the act of transportation of some of the same lows as you get on a family road trip. And on that trip, you had somebody on the piccolo and then somebody on the back of a bike? Yeah, so my wife has uh, a traditional touring bike uh, also with the piccolo attachment, and I also had the extra cycle with the piccolo attachment, but nearly always the piccolo was attached to her bike. Just as it worked out, I was carrying more weight a lot of the time, and I was also carrying a passenger. Like Mm -hmm. one child would pedal. So we decided we even at that time owned two piccolos, and so we had two attachments. So we had a question of like, should we take two piccolos or Mm -hmm. one? Should Should we just start over and get a... Uh, trailer and so we looked at all the options and the attraction with the trailer was that if there was really hot or maybe if it was rain the kids could have some weather protection and that was attractive but the philosophy you ended up with was if the weather's bad enough to really seek shelter then we'll all seek shelter together and so we went with the piccolo plus one child riding and that really worked well for those ages it became kind of like sprint at intervals. You get a fresh stoker and they ride for a while and then they get a break. And we found out what their strengths were and what time of day was their favorite and their best. And so as we, the trip went on, we were able to kind of get in a rhythm of when we should do some switches. But, you know, siblings and children. Yes, our family this summer took a road trip out to Oregon and some of the things you're describing happened to us in the car. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's just it's just a mark of family life, I think, when you're traveling. Yeah. And so how many miles total was that trip? Okay, so 270 miles. Wow. I think it was over 11 days and seven of which 
were biking days. Okay. And we did mix uh, at Santa Claus. We stayed at a, a warm showers host. Uh, so we had some air conditioning then. And uh, we stayed at a hotel and in Louisville. So we tried to mix it up with different kinds of experiences, ranging from wilderness camping to some indoors. So what do you see as the future for your family in terms of bike camping? Are you planning another tour like that? Are you going to be moving more into a phase of short trips with your kids starting to pedal on their own? Yeah, so I think there was sort of a consensus that we didn't want to do another big trip this summer. And we don't have the next grand trip planned. What is happening right now is we just got some couple camping hammocks. And so far, the kids and I have been trying those out, and we we, we like them. So that opens up some new possibilities of uh, you can hang hammocks where it's not flat, different places where you might not put a tent. Can you describe a camping hammock for those who may not know? Yeah. So envision a hammock with a zip-on bug net, and it kind of has a a ridge line that goes above it that makes an A shape that holds the bug net out of your face. And... What's amazing for in a family situation is it takes about five minutes to put one up. You just kind of throw it around, strap around one tree and throw a strap around the other, and that's about it. You're done. So talk about personal space. When you're ready to have an option besides four people in the same tent, Mm -hmm. uh, you can imagine everyone might like a turn, have their own space. So does everybody in your family have one then? No, we're continuing the incremental expansions. Just for the cost, I got two to start. And so I I did a daddy-daughter overnight just on Tuesday night. And now my son asked me at dinner tonight, when can we do one? I personally like to get out for a week or two a year. So I want to keep it fun for everyone and see how people's interests change. But we're still making it up as we go. Yeah. And your family has a great tradition where for Mother's Day, you take the kids camping every year. Yeah, I just was looking back on that. And it's didn't really plan to make it continuous, but the last five years, starting when uh, my son was two, every May, approximately, I've taken both the kids out, cargo bike camping, and uh, give my wife the gift that she most wants for Mother's Day, which is to be left alone. I can relate. (laughs) I I love giving a gift that's going to be well-received every year, and she likes the day off, and it's a nice time around here to go camping. And plan to keep doing that. I'm always ready to camp around then and the kids seem up for it. So we'll keep doing it. Great. Can you talk about what you have found to be the biggest benefits of bike camping as a family? Well, I know when I woke up in a hammock on Wednesday morning and I went to pack it up, there was a tree frog on the strap. My daughter said she'd never seen one in her life. I don't know when the last time I saw a tree frog. Apparently, they're hard to find, but this one came to us. And then on the ride in, she went to use the bathroom and came back and said, Dad, I saw a baby American toad. I thought, how'd she know it's an American toad? <laughs> and then on the way into town, we saw some deer and a wild turkey. And this we only went seven miles out of town. That's the kind of trip in a car you think you don't even take. It's too close. But those are the kinds of things that I think the kids are remembering and I'm learning, you know, everything from making knots to using a camp stove. So I hope there's some extra skills and appreciation of the outdoors that might be useful for all of us. We haven't had as many bike camping trips as your family has at this point, but 
when we go, it's always just that feeling of these are the kind of memories I want to be making with our family. And this is how I want to be spending my time, which is a great way to feel. What I love as a parent is that whatever I do, my kids are going to think is normal. Yes. <laughs> I'm creating their normal. And they, they think this is normal now. I know it's not really, <laughs> it's not, it might be normal for them, but certainly not average experience. But we were talking about it at dinner tonight. And I think it's a bit of their identity now. Mm-hmm. I asked them what would they tell other kids about family bike camping. My daughter said, it's fun. They mm-hmm. should try it. That's a great endorsement. Yeah. What have you found to be the biggest challenges of going bike camping? I think the biggest challenges end up being not the bike stuff. It's the same kind of family stuff. I mean, there's like the figuring out the gear you need, but that kind of happens. It's just the parenting. Sometimes it does. It's a little more stressful if you're on the stretch of road you've never been on before and your mm-hmm. child's upset. You don't maybe feel like you have the tools or the the options that you have at home, or you, you can't maybe split people up. You can't send someone to their own room when you're when you're out in a new place. So that stretches you a little bit as a parent to figure out what are my options and how can I parent when I'm in a, in a new place having new experiences. Yeah. And what advice would you offer people who are interested in trying bike camping as a family but have never done so before? Go ahead and try it with the equipment that you have. See how it works. What I found works for destinations has, rather than looking at state parks, maybe that's a traditional place to go, my favorite places are backyards and variations thereof. And when I I put the word out that I'm looking for people that have such nice backyards, or I get direct invitations and also people tell me about, oh, I have a friend, I can make a connection. People maybe live on the edge of town, they have some woods. For kids especially, there's a small patch of woods with a little creek or a ravine or something. Uh, and you have to bike 20 minutes to get there. They'll ask, like, are we there yet? Those are um, can be less stressful. Sometimes we do we really treat it as like a camp experience where maybe we don't even go in the house while we're there. We're not necessarily like going over to the friend's house. We're kind of just going to the land that's there and look for places that are close by. I think for the kids, they don't necessarily think it's a better experience if it takes you an hour or two to get there than thirty minutes. So look for those kind of opportunities and. Those backyards off also give you a plan B if it's a friend. You, know, mm-hmm. you can say, look, we're not, we plan to be self-sufficient, but could we come in and use the bathroom? Or if there's a bad thunderstorm there, people say, oh, yeah, you can come in. I love that idea of starting small, that you could go bike camping in your town. And here in Bloomington, it's easy to get out of town in 20 minutes. But there are other places where you could try it out, try out your gear, try out the situation, biking to a friend's house where you live. And learn what you need, don't need, or what the potential problems might be on a longer trip. I think another question a lot of people would have is about routes and how you find a good route for biking as a family when you're going out of town. Do you have any advice on how to scope that out and how to get a sense of what a good way to go would be? So for short overnights, pretty much everything I'd done myself and kind of vetted for our two-week bike trip where that wasn't really possible, there was someone in town who was a tour route planner. Or We have ultra-endurance cyclists here who ride maybe 100 or 200 miles at a stretch. Mm-hmm. And so they have a much bigger radius, so they could vet a lot of my route. Even though it was far away for me, it wasn't as far for them. 
someone gave me the tip to just use Google Street View. So、mm-hmm. if I wasn't sure about conditions, I would drop in on Google Street View, and even though it's just a snapshot, I would look at how much traffic is around the Google Street View car, and then I would go down the road and see much like how much traffic is around it further down the road. And if there was, if the Google Street View car was experiencing a lot of traffic, I figured I'm probably going to run into a lot of traffic too. And it also lets you know: is there a shoulder? Is there that's right a spot for yeah for that's bikes? Right. Some of you may know about Strava. They have a site labs.strava.com/heatmap, and it will show you all the bike trips that cyclists using Strava have recorded. So while Google Maps may give you a route that some algorithm recommends, the Strava heatmap has the routes that cyclists have actually used, and it has thicker, brighter lines. The more popular that route is. So I would use the I was using the Strava heat map and say, well, you know, if all these cyclists go down this road, that's an endorsement. I feel better about taking my family down that road. That's a great tool to use. Yeah, I think for Louisville, getting to Louisville, I was particularly concerned about the level of traffic, and so I used like all the different available options. I think in that case, I contacted the Louisville Cycling Club, and I've done that for other、uh, previous trip. I contacted the Cincinnati Cycling Club. Just contact the locals. Almost every city has a Cycling club and say, how would you get into your town from from this location? Yes, it has been my experience that most people who are interested in things like bike camping or just cycling in general are very excited to talk to other people about it and to help each other out. That it's a very supportive community. Yeah, I mean, other cyclists we all appreciate a safe route. So whether you're cycling recreationally or with your family, kind of the similar concerns. That was one part that went really well on our trip. We were on a lot of unknown roads, and not only did the routes end up being fairly quiet, but a lot of the Indiana drivers—and a special shout out to the truck drivers, pickup truck drivers—were really courteous to us and would slow down or give us plenty of space in the times that we needed it. I appreciated that, and we tried to pull over when we got to a good spot and let traffic by. But we, we ran into a lot of nice car drivers on the road too, which you go out with these fears, and then you come back with this reality of. Things are usually not as bad as you expect them to be. That makes me excited for taking some more trips around Indiana and exploring more of the area around here. Hearing about your experience makes it seem like, yeah, that's doable. That's something that we could try. Well, why don't we end by having you tell listeners more about your book and what it covers, how it got started, when it's going to be out. Yeah, so I'm. When I got back from this trip last summer, I I started writing what was a tour journal, and then it kept going and going and going, and now it's a manuscript for a book I'm calling "Let's Go Family Bike Camping." There's a kind of a narrow genre of family bike touring books, and I read a lot of them and finished them. At the end, I always wanted more details. I think they were kind of epic marathon stories, and I was. Sometimes feel like I needed more of the couch to 5K stories and tips, so that's how I've structured mine. It's I tried to do milestone trips that I thought people would appreciate. The first tour with one child, the first tour with two children, and then this、uh, sequence of Mother's Day off trips where it has the extra challenge of two children and one adult all on one one bike, and then the whole section of chapters on. What I think might be practical tips, like how exactly do you attach the piccolo to the extra cycle or the ubamundo, 
or I think I have a chapter on comparing in more detail the Bach feats and the Yubo Mundo and the extra cycle. So hopefully the idea was to share some stories of our trips and provide some specific tips to help people get started with there. And I can't tell you quite when it's going to be out because I'm writing it in my free time when I wake up early before I <laughs> go to work. But we have a website for it, familybikecamping.com, and you can put in your email. And when it is ready, I'll let you know. That sounds great. Is that the same spot where you have some of your blog posts, or is that a different website? Different website, bikesastransportation.com. You can try with or without the hyphens. And I do blogging there. And some of the chapters or variations thereof from the book, especially the specific tips and how-tos, are already up on, up on the blog. And I will link to all that in the show notes. I know that I went through and was reading some of the blog posts, and you have a great one that you were saying comparing the different cargo bikes and the different ones that you've used. Because I think it's pretty rare to find someone who has used all these different versions and use them extensively, that most people end up choosing one and then that's the main one that they use. So it was great to kind of see them side by side and the pros and cons of each. Well, thanks. And if people want to reach out, I love talking about it. I'm happy to swap stories. Or... Okay. Are you on social media somewhere that would be good for people to reach out? I am. Um, I have Bikes as Trans on Twitter. On Instagram, it's bikes underscore as underscore transportation. All right. Well, thank you so much for talking to me tonight, Mark. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for listening to the show. You can find links to Mark's site, social media, and to the specific blog posts we mentioned at familypedals.com. It would also be a huge help to me if you could leave a rating and review on iTunes, as it helps new shows like this one get in front of more listeners. Next time, I'll be joined by Lisa Corvo, who is part of a car-free family living in Vancouver, British Columbia. She talks about how our family uses car sharing, teaching classes that help people feel comfortable and confident biking on the roads, and the challenges and benefits of living a car-free lifestyle. I hope you'll join me then. <laughs>